Section 40 of Around the World on a Bicycle, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in April 2012. Around the World on a Bicycle, Volume 2 by Thomas Stevens. Chapter 19, Part 1 through japan an uneventful run of two days and the yokohama maru steams into the beautiful harbour of nagasaki the change from the filth of a chinese city to nagasaki clean as if it had all just been newly scoured and varnished is something delightful one gets a favourable impression of the japs right away much more so doubtless by coming direct from china than in any other way Two days of preparation and looking about leaves almost a pang of regret at having to depart so soon. The American consul here, Mr. B., is a very courteous gentleman. To him and Mr. M., an American gentleman, instructor in the Chinese Navy, I am indebted for an exhibition of the geisha dance and many other courtesies. Having duly supplied myself with Japanese paper money, ten, five, and one yen notes, fractional currency of fifty, twenty, and ten sen notes, besides copper sen for tea and fruit at roadside tea-houses, on Tuesday morning, November 23rd, I start on my journey of eight hundred miles through lovely Nippon to Yokohama. Captain F. and Mr. B., the American consul, have come to the hotel to see me off. A showery night has made the roads a trifle muddy, through the long, neat-looking streets of Nagasaki, into a winding road, past crowded hillside cemeteries adorned with queer stunted trees and quaint designs in flowers, I ride, followed by wandering eyes and a running fire of curious comments from the Japs. Nagasaki lies at the shoreward base of a range of hills, over a pass called the Himitoge, which my road climbs immediately upon leaving the city. A good road is maintained over the pass, and an office established there to collect toll from travellers and people bringing produce into Nagasaki. The aged and polite toll-collector smiles and bows at me as I trundle innocently past his sentry-box-like office up the steep incline, hoping that I may take the hint and spare him the necessity of telling me the nature of his duty. My inexperience of Japanese tolls and roads, however, renders his politeness inoperative, and, after allowing me to get past, duty compels him to issue forth and explain. A wooden ticket containing Japanese characters is given me in exchange for a few tiny coins. This I fancy to be a passport for another toll place higher up. Subsequently, however, I learn it to be a return ticket, the old toll-keeper very naturally thinking I would return, by and by, to Nagasaki. Ponies and buffaloes laden with baskets of rice, fodder, firewood and various agricultural products are encountered on the pass, in charge of Japanese rustics in broad bamboo hats, red blankets, bare legs and straw sandals, who lead their charges by long halter ropes. Both horses and buffaloes are shod with shoes of the same unsubstantial material as the men. 
when the japanese traveller sets out on a journey he provides himself with a new pair of straw sandals these last him for a tramp from ten to twenty miles according to the nature of the road when worn out his footgear may be readily renewed at any village for a mere song the same may be said of his horse or buffalo although several extra shoes are generally carried along in case of need the summit of the pass is distinguished by a very deep cutting through the ridge rock of the mountain and a series of successive sharp turns back and forth along narrow terraced gardens and fields bring the road down into a valley of a clear little stream called the himigawa smooth hard roads follow along this purling rivulet now and then crossing it on a stone or wooden bridge a small estuary reaching inland like a big bite out of a cake is passed and the pretty little village of yagami reached for dinner the eating-house like nearly all japanese eating-places is neat and cleanly the brown woodwork being fairly polished bright from floor to ceiling sitting down on the edge of the raised floor i am approached by the landlady who kneels down and bows her forehead to the floor her politeness is very charming and her smile would no doubt be more or less winsome were it not for the hideous blackening of the teeth blackened teeth is the distinguishing mark between maid and matron in the flowery kingdom of the mikados the teeth are stained black at marriage and henceforth a smile that heretofore displayed rows of small white ivories and perchance was fairly bewitching becomes positively repulsive to the western mind fish and rice sakana and meshi are the most readily obtainable things to eat at a japanese hotel and often form the only bill of fare sake or rice beer is usually included in the jap's own meal but the average european traveller at first prefers limiting his beverage to tea the sake is served up in big-necked bottles of cheap porcelain holding about a pint the bottle is set for a few minutes in boiling water to warm the sake the japs preferring to drink it warm sake is more like spirits than beer an honest alcoholic production from rice that soon recommends itself to the european palate though rather offensive at first every tea-house along the road is made doubly attractive by prettily dressed attendants smiling girls who come out and invite passing travellers to rest and buy tea and refreshments their solicitations are chiefly winsome smiles and polite bows and the cheerful greeting ohayo the japanese how do you do a tiny teapot no larger than those the little girls at home play at keeping house with and shell-like cup to match is brought on a lacquered tray and placed before one with charming grace if a halt is made at one of those tea-houses persimmons sweets cakes and various tidbits are temptingly arrayed on the sloping stand in front the most trifling purchase is rewarded with an exhibition of good nature and politeness worth many times the money about sunset i roll into the smooth clean streets of umura a good-sized town and seek the accommodation of a charming yadoya inn pointed out by a youth in semi-european clothes who seems bubbling over with pleasure at the opportunity of rending me this slight assistance 
a room is assigned me upstairs a mat spread for me to recline on by a polite damsel who touches her forehead to the floor both when she makes her appearance and her exit having got me comfortably settled down with the customary service of tea sweets little boxed brazier of live charcoal spittoon etc the proprietor his wife and daughter all come up and prostrate themselves after the most approved fashion after all the salaming and deferentiality experienced in other eastern countries one still cannot help being impressed with the spectacle of several grotesque japs bowing before one seated figure like hindus prostrating themselves before some idol with any other people than the japs this lowly attitude would seem offensively servile but these inimitable people leave not the slightest room for thinking their actions obsequious the japs are a wonderful race they seem to be the happiest people going always smiling and good-natured always polite and gentle always bowing and scraping after a bountiful supper of several fishy preparations and rice the landlord bobs his head to the floor sucks his breath through the teeth after the peculiar manner of the japs when desirous of being excessively polite and extends his hands for my passport this the yadoya proprietor is required to take and have examined at the police station provided no policeman calls for it at the house the japanese government in its efforts to improve the institutions of the country has introduced systems of reform from various countries commissions were sent to the different western countries to examine and report upon the methods of education police army navy postal matters judiciary etc what was believed to be the best of the various systems was then selected as the model of japan's new departure and adoption of western civilization thus the police service is modelled from the french the judiciary from the english the schools after the american methods etc having inaugurated this improvements the japs seem determined to follow their models with the same minute scrupulosity they exhibit in copying material things there is probably as little use for elaborate police regulations in japan as in any country under the sun but having chosen the splendid police service of france to pattern by they can now boast of having a service that lacks nothing in effectiveness a very good road with an avenue of fine spreading conifers of some kind leads out of omura to the left is the bay of omura closely skirted at times by the road at one place is observed an inland temple connected with the mainland by a causeway of rough rock the little island is covered with dark pines and jagged rocks amid which the japanese have perched their shrine and erected a temple both the chinese and japs seem fond of selecting the most romantic spots for their worship and the erection of religious edifices the day is warm and a heavy shower during the night has made the road heavy in places although much of it is clean gravel that is not injured by the rain over hill and down dale the kuruma road leads to ureshino a place celebrated for its mineral springs and bath 
on the way one passes through charming little ravines where tiny cataracts come tumbling down the sides of moss-grown precipices a country of pretty thatched cottages temples groves and purling rivulets on the streams are numerous rice-hulling machines operated by the ingenious manipulation of the water in a little hut is a mortar containing the rice attached to a pivot is a long beam having a pestle at one end and a throw at the other the pestle is made to fall upon the rice in the mortar by the filling and automatic emptying of the trough outside the trough filling with water drops down and empties of its own weight this causes the opposite end to fall suddenly this operation repeats itself about every two seconds through the day the gravelly hills about ureshino are devoted to the cultivation of tea the green tea gardens with the undulating even rows of thick shrubs looking very beautiful where they slope to the foot of the bare rocky cliffs ureshino and the baths are some little distance off the main road to shimonoseki so not caring particularly to go there i continue on to the village of takio where rainy weather compels a halt of several hours everything is so delightfully superior as compared with china that the japanese village yadoya seems a veritable paradise during these first days of my acquaintance with them life at a chinese village hit him for a week would well-nigh unseat the average anglo-saxon's reason whereas he might spend the same time very pleasantly in a japanese country inn the region immediately around takio is not only naturally lovely but is embellished by little artificial lakes islands grottoes and various landscape novelties such as the japs alone excel in an eight-wire telegraph line threads the road from takio to ushitsu passing through numerous villages that almost form a continuous street from one town to the other as one notices such improvements and sees the police and telegraph officials in trim european uniforms seated in their neat offices an american clock invariably on the wall within and moreover notes the uniform friendliness of the people it is difficult to imagine that thirty years ago one would have been in more danger travelling through here than through china passing through the main streets of ushitsu in search of the best yadoya i am accosted by a middle-aged woman with hello you want ye room want ye chow chow her mother keeps a yadoya she tells me and leads the way thither chatting gaily in pidgin english all the way she seems very pleased at the opportunity to exercise her little stock of broken english and tells me she learned it at shanghai where she once resided for a couple of years in an english family her name she says is ohana but her english friends used to call her hannah without the prefix understanding from experience what i would be most likely to appreciate for supper she rustles around and prepares a nice fish, plenty of ureshino tea, sugar, sweet cakes, and slide pomolo. This, together with rice, is the extent of Ushitsu's present gastronomic limits. The following morning opens with a white frost. The road is level and good, and the Yadoya people see that I am provided with a substantial breakfast in good season. My boots, I find, have been cleaned even. 
they were cleaned with a rag ohana apologizing for the absence of shoe brushes and blacking in pidgin english brush no have got in striking contrast to china here are gangs of cantoneers taking care of the road men in regular blue uniforms with big white bull's eyes and characters like our celestial friends the yameni runners troops of school children are passed on the road going to school with books and tally boards under their arm they sometimes range themselves in rows alongside the road and as i wheel past bob their heads simultaneously down to the level of their knees and greet me with a polite "Wayo." The country hereabout is rich and populous, and the people seemingly well-to-do. The tea-houses, farm-houses, and even the little ricks of rice seem built with an eye to artistic effect. One sees here the gradual encroachment of Western mechanical improvements. The first two-handled plough I have seen since leaving Europe is encountered this morning, but alongside it are men using the clumsy Japanese digging tool of their ancestors, and both men and women stripped to the waist hulling rice by pounding it in mortars with long-headed pestles it is merely a question of a few years however until the intelligent japs will discard all their old clumsy methods and introduce the latest agricultural improvements of the west into their country passing through a mile or more of saga's smooth and continuously rideable streets past big schoolhouses where hundreds of children are reciting aloud in chorus, past the big bronze Buddha for which Saga is locally famous, the road continues through a somewhat undulating country, rideable, generally speaking, the whole way. Long cedar or cryptomerian avenues sometimes characterize the way. Strings of peasants are encountered, leading pack-ponies and bullocks. The former seem to be vicious little wretches, rather masters, on the whole, than servants of their leaders. The Japanese horse objects to a tight girth, objects to being overloaded, and to various other indignities that his relations of other countries meekly endure. To suit his fastidious requirements, he is allowed to meander carelessly along at the end of a twenty-foot string, and he is decorated all over with gay and fanciful trappings. A very peculiar trait of his character is that of showing fight at anything he doesn't like the looks of, instead of scaring at it after the orthodox method of horseflesh in other countries. This peculiarity sometimes makes it extremely interesting for myself. Their usual manner of taking exception to me and the bicycle is to rear up on the hind feet and squeal and paw the air, at the same time evincing a disposition to come on and chew me up. This necessity is continual weariness on my part when passing a company of peasants, for the men never seem to think it worthwhile to restrain their horses until the actions of the latter render it absolutely necessary. Jinrikishas now become quite frequent, pulled by sturdy-limbed men, who, naked almost as the day they were born, trot along between the shafts of their two-wheeled vehicles at the rate of six miles an hour. Men are also met, pulling heavy hand-carts, loaded with tiles, from country factories to the city. Most of the heaviest labor seems to be performed by human beings, 
though not to the same extent as in China. In every town and village one is struck with the various imitations of European goods. Ludicrous mistakes are everywhere met with, where the serio-comical people have attempted to imitate name, trademark, and everything complete. In one portion of the eating-house where lunch is obtained today are a number of umbrella-makers manufacturing gingham umbrellas. On every umbrella is stamped the firm name John Douglas Manchester. Cigarettes, nicely made and equal in every respect to those of other countries, are boldly labelled cigars. Thus do these curious imitators make mistakes. Had Shakespeare seen the Japs, one could better understand his all the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. For most other nations, life is a serious enough problem. The Japs alone seem to be merely playing at making a livelihood. They always impress me as happy-go-lucky harlequins, to whom this whole business of coming into the world and getting a living for a few years is nothing more or less than a huge joke. The happiest state of affairs seem to exist among all classes and conditions of people in Japan. One passes schoolhouses and sees the classes out on the well-kept grounds, going through various exercises, such as one would never expect to see in the East. Today I pause a while before the public school in Nakabairu, watching the interesting exercises going on. Under the supervision of teachers in black frock coats and derby hats, a class of girls are ranged in two rows, throwing and catching pillows, all together back and forth at the word of command. Classes of boys are manipulating wooden dumbbells and exercising their muscles by various systematic exercises. The youngsters are enjoying it hugely, and the whole affair looks so thoroughly suggestive of the best elements of Occidental school life that it is difficult to believe the evidence of one's own eyes. I suspect the Japanese children are about the only children in the wide, wide world who really enjoy studying their lessons and going to school. One of the teachers comes to the gate and greets me with a polite bow. I address him in English, but he doesn't know a word. End of section 40